How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another week and another episode with me, Nick, and my buddy, Ronnie. Yeah, how's it, everybody? Back again. Yo, guys, this episode's brought to you by Magnesium Cafe. You know, magnesium is so crucial to every rugby supporter. It really can help in so many ways. Things like depression. You know, when your team loses one, they should have won. It can help you get over the loss and want to carry on with the planned bra you have on a Saturday. It also helps uh, with your blood pressure so you can handle those clutch moments. In the final minutes of a test, we had a couple of those this past weekend. Also, when Chesham Colby is stepping Owen, uh, or you're waiting for France to snap a monster drop goal. Yeah, it even helps with the migraines for those times when you're stuck at a bry with a few too many bull supporters who are still living in 2009. So check out Magnesium Cafe and grab any of the incredible products with a 15% discount by using the code PUNTED15 at checkout. Help by supporting us and getting all the great health benefits that come along with the use of a magnesium supplement. And don't forget that it's an informed sports certified product keeping your supplements clean and healthy whilst giving you that extra boost your body needs. Yeah, Ronnie, so I heard you had a wedding and some golf on this weekend. Yeah, I had a bit of a golf uh, tour this past weekend, uh, three days of golf. Uh, we had some competition formats and Ryder Cup style on the last day. And yeah, I came back yesterday morning. It's been a long weekend. A lot of festivities, a lot of things that happened. Lekker moog. Lekker moog. Yeah, I had a, a weekend of hiking up Vergenig and Harties. And then really struggled after that to keep my eyes open for the pop game that was a bit late in the evening. Um, some of the boys were passed out on the couch already by the time kickoff happened. All in all, a lack of weekend. And unfortunately, like you, I'm not on leave today. I had a full day's work too. But gives us plenty of time to sit now and talk some smack about the rugby this weekend, eh, Ronald? Yeah, smack. Call it smack. Call it informed uh, opinions. Call it whatever you want. So let's dive in then. Hey, Ronnie, 36-20, Box v. Los Pumas. Ultimately, a good result for us, right? Getting the five points out of that game. Yeah, that's, that's when you need the magnesium supplement. When there's two points in it, seven minutes left, you know, that's going to help with those clutch moments. That's what you were talking about. What a game. We started off well, you know, powering through. We rampaged ahead, had our bonus point before the halftime. Second half, the complete opposite. Argentina cleaned up. They were there, brought the game all the way back to within two. The bonus point was out the window. We thought that was gone. And then, bang, two tries in the box are back to the bonus point buffer. So, look, I don't know I don't know about you, but I thought that was not a pretty game. Uh, there was a lot of struggling there for us. Um, a lot of struggling for Argentina as well. Obviously, they lost. But for us as well, that it, it just wasn't a, a pretty game. And as a, as a fan... I uh, got uh, quite a bit nervous and not in a good way there. I just thought, gee, shit, we're in some big trouble here. Ultimately, the result went our way. We got what we wanted, the five points out of it. But still, I don't think it was a very pretty game. I think there's a, a lot a lot of learning that needs to take place after that. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Ronnie. You know, we may have got the win and we may have gotten the bonus point, but by no means was it a, a good comprehensive victory over Los Pumas. I mean, we gave away 21 penalties in that game and two yellow cards. Sure. And we're normally a team that quite, you know, prides ourselves on discipline. And also a quick shout out to the man, Lavanini. He did not get a card again this weekend. Yeah, look, I think I think the yellow cards, we can obviously talk about them. There's always going to be talk about it from both sides. Those that are for the card and against the cards and, and whatnot. But it's also it's also a bold statement to say that we pride ourselves on our discipline. And when we've had people like Etzebeth, like uh, old Bucky's Puerta, some of these guys that operate in the gray areas. So I don't know whether I agree with you there, but sure. Okay. 
when I say that I'm coming from the perspective of as one of the top 10 teams in world rugby, we are one of the least penalized teams. So we definitely, that that is indeed so. So, I mean, by no means am I saying we're clean and, and all of that, but we're the, one of the least penalized teams. So that has to count for something, you know, we go in the gray areas. We don't, go too far past that line, or at least not when the ref's looking. Talking about now the penalties we gave away, I mean, Los Pumas gave away 12 breakdown penalties alone in the first half, just at the breakdown, for not rolling away and silly, silly things like that. So that handed huge momentum to the Springboks. Yeah, they absolutely did not have a good start. And Michael Cech is going to have to go and see what happened and see how do they fix that before their next fixture in Durban. Because the Pumas definitely shot themselves in the foot there. You know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier that a good second half, a, full, a fairly good second half. But uh, the first half was dismal. Really, it was. Yeah, they they just handed it to the box. And the box were having a good day with the mall and, you know, relied on that to to take points when they were on offer for those indiscretions. What do you make now of the situation where we look at, you know, the box having this big buffer and then seven minutes left on the clock, it's 22-20 thanks to tries from um, Matthias Moroni and a penalty try. You know, that, that's a huge momentum shift in the game. And why, why did that come about? Well, the penalty try came about Vili Lahu being on the being offside, right? So I think he was just as surprised as everyone. It wasn't look, it wasn't cynical or anything, but uh, the reality of the game is what you give a lot of penalties away uh, in that twenty-two space under pressure. That's exactly what happens, and 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 ultimately that's what that's what boiled down. But yeah, the Springboks need to go and check and see what happened there because they got a little bit lackadaisical. They lost a little bit of focus. The momentum, like you say, sh- uh, rightfully shifted in favor of the home team. Maybe it was the guys just got complacent. They they thought that this was going to be a walkover with a, with a really incredible start that we had. Um, and they took the foot off the pedal. So it's just a lapse in concentration or a lapse in focus or, yeah, so that's that's what I think happened there. I don't, we, we definitely need to sort that out. The coaches need to look at why that happened and uh, make sure it doesn't happen again you know and then you look at the springbok attack it's something we've spoken about quite a bit this year how it's sort of impotent when the ball gets spread but i mean you look at this game and nick mallet said it afterwards you know the box were playing 10-man rugby the ball wasn't really traveling past fly half but is that something that was done because we were getting success up front and we were scoring our points with ease that way or is that just showing the limitations of the box game plan Look, it comes back down to this argument, and you and I have had it before. We we wish, we desperately wish for, you know, to see good attacking, running Springbok rugby. But that's never been a South African thing. We've never, never been known for good running backline rugby. We've always been those that have been physical up front, couple of physical oaks in the back, kick, uh, kick for territory, you know, kick for momentum, and it works. So why change your winning formula? Sure, we are getting predictable and that's where we need to that's what we need to change but look ultimately south africa has always been a very very physical 10-man game that's just it so i have a bit of a different theory as to why we didn't let the ball go past 10 and it's quite an obvious one actually jesse creel (laughs) jesse creel was at 13 damien was like oh no no we will not be doing that today (laughs) because honestly jesse creel there was a missed tackle there was a knock on i mean no, not not a 13 for me. And we really need a relook at that channel for the end of your tour if Lokanya Ama is not going to be able to return to the box this year. Look, uh, I, I'm not sure if in, in your agenda you've, you've, you've mentioned the injuries and or, or, or you know the quality of our depth, but I think some of the injuries we've had in recent weeks have been a blessing in disguise. 
quite honestly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're thin at 10 now. We're thin at, at right wing. We were thin at center. But now suddenly, you know, we've got, we've, our hand has been forced. We've had to find additional players to fit those roles. And we forced, we're forced to give some additional players some game time in those positions. So it could be a blessing in disguise, right? A year out from the World Cup, uh, experimenting, giving some other people's uh, runs at those positions, you know, giving a rest to those that, that got injured. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think the the injury to Lucanio M is probably a blessing in disguise, even though he's the best player in the world at the moment. It allows us to look at a bit of depth, but I feel like tossing Jesse Creel in there is not really achieving that. You know, also at fly half, we're now three fly halves down. It's uh, Pollard, Yankees, Damian Willemsa, but we haven't actually looked at a proper fly half solution. You know, I'm still a big advocate for Marnie Dubok. You think he doesn't fit the bot game plan? Why not give Chris Smith a bit of a look in there? But now you, you, you can't you can't really say that he doesn't fit the bot game plan until you've actually played him in the bot game plan and see how he reacts. I mean, exactly. we're, we're exactly and right, and we're playing Fraud Stain there now, who last played started at ten in two thousand and eight. Yeah, two thousand and eight was when the Wii was dominant. It was a <laughs> new gaming console on the market. Yeah, no, it's true. And then instead of calling a fly-off into the squad now, we go and call Spoon, Corsi, and Kirkley Lawrence another two wins. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Who do you think has, who do you think's our cover at uh, at ten though? Is that does that mean that Vili Lahu is going to be a cover a potential cover at ten or or Faf de Klerk? Vili is definitely cover at ten, but the official cover at ten is Faf de Klerk. Jesus. So yeah, that's a bit of an interesting one for me. Maybe that's why we took five scrum halves along with the squad. You know, I also just want to mention here the struggles we had in the scrums this week. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. You know, Franz Malherbe had a bit of a tough time, but sort of held it there. Trevor Nyokane came on and Thomas Gallo had his way with him. He had his number the whole game. Maybe some of those front row forwards haven't been receiving the nutrition from uh, the replacement dietitian. <laughs> yeah, that's also possible. Yeah, who knows what the story is there, hey? Interesting, interesting theory, considering it's only been one week without the dietitian. And then... Just a shout out as well, Augustine Creevy. I know he's your boy, Ronnie. Uh, he got yes, what a legend! Just so everybody knows, that guy singled me out in the crowd and was like, "How's it, Dita? Good to see you again. I miss you." I reckon this is about the eighth episode you've brought that up. But Augustine Creevy got his 95th cap this weekend, and he is now officially the most capped Argentinian player of all time. Really? Yeah. They have to go fact check to you there, and if you get that wrong, give you a shot. Yeah, you can go fact check me. I'm definitely right. I was quite surprised to see that um, Bishaw had not taken that. But yeah, creepy it is. And then Ronnie, Thursday's game, that annoyed me a little bit. I was stuck at the office. I had to watch the, the replay of it. All Blacks 39, Wallabies 37. Yeah, obviously a very strange time to play for us non-Aussie, well, non-Australians. I think it was a public holiday or something that, that caused the move. It would have been a great start to a long weekend uh, had the Aussies finally pulled it off, had Bernard Foley just kicked the bloody ball out. But yeah, look, it was an awkward time. I managed to catch a couple of minutes of it. I had to watch the majority of the game on replay afterwards, uh, which is a little bit boring. It's not very fun to watch replay. Bit of a controversial end to it. Yeah, so I actually have quite a bit to say on this controversial end. So I want to start by finding out, do you side with the ref or do you side with the Wallabies? Well, actually... Uh, I would. I was going to discuss this with my uh, with my rant at the end there, but I suppose since we make the agenda, we make the rules. I might as well go for it right now. What do you say, Halsey? 
yeah, go for it. Yeah, so it's unfortunate, really, that the that that's the ref had to have such an influence on the game. It, it is, it, it happened. We've spoken about it before on the podcast that we don't like it when refs have such a big influence on a game. You know, a refs had a good game when no one's talking about them afterwards. But you know what? The reality is there are rules. For a long time, players have been operating in the gray area. And when they get caught out, you know what happens is... Uh, the players put their hands up and they say, oh, no, hang on, how can you blow? The rules are the rules. The ref said, listen, you've got time, you've got to kick it. And you've stopped the clock, you're going to have to kick it immediately. And Bernard Foley was taking his damn time. Foley, he had kicked it out, let his forward uh, catch the ball off the line out and march slowly, and that would have been the end of the game. One, let a slow cup still in contention. But you know what? Bernard Foley got a little bit wise there, trying to milk even more and more seconds off the clock, ultimately resulting in, what, a penalty for the All Blacks and uh, and a loss of game for the Wallabies, which is a little bit disappointing. But you know what? Rules are rules, my friend. And uh, a lot of warnings have been put out there. And I think a lot of teams and players and coaches have learned their lesson. They won't be trying things like that. I do agree with you. Rules are rules. And I 100% support the call by Reynald. But I want to come at it from a different angle because everyone's focusing on Bernard Foley's actions there. And a lot needs to be said about who was the captain on the field, which was Nick White. And then the forwards, because you look at Foley holding that ball. He keeps looking back at his forwards in a huddle, waiting for them to focus so that he can kick. So he's, he's on the one hand ready to kick and slowing the game himself, but so are his teammates. They're standing there in a huddle, not focused on the game. Who's to say he was going to kick it out? He wanted his team ready defensively. And then where's the captain? Nick White saying nothing to the forwards, saying nothing to Foley, just letting the ref get that interaction. And then ultimately, yes, it was a scrum and 100% the right call for me. Time was on. He warned him two more times and then gave away the free kick. Yeah, look, he got caught out, right? So we've all done a little bit of time wasting before, you know? But then the ref says, play on, you pick the ball up, you play on. But you don't continue dragging your feet and looking left and right like you've made a decision, right? So now teams are going to be a little bit more aware and maybe it's a good thing for world rugby. You know, if you're if you were an all-black fan in that situation, you would be screaming, saying, screaming, screaming at the TV, time wasting, time wasting, time wasting. And you know what? Finally, a referee did something about time wasting. So yeah, maybe it's a shift. I originally didn't like it. I originally thought it was a ridiculous call, but you know what? As a as the as the days went by, I thought. You know what? That's actually the correct bloody call. And then, I mean, what do you make of Nick White's outburst? I don't know if you've seen that clip that was published later, basically blaming the championship loss on the referee. Surely that's also unacceptable and, and liable to sanction if you can no. sanction Rusty. Look, I think the reality is in the heat of the moment, you can often say things and and, and you just feel like you need to get it out. So him and him and the ref had a little discussion at the end there and he said at the end, look, I made the call, that's it, you know what, move on. And he walked away. And Nick White just stood there a little bit, still flabbergasted. I think uh, a lot of people were a little bit shocked because they, they, they were going to win that game if they didn't make such a stupid decision, push the ref. And they pushed the ref and you know what the ref said? You don't think I can give a scrum, but I can. So now you know lessons learned no that's true that's true i just think it's it's a bit of an absurd one from the captain of the team but like you say emotions are high in those moments and have you seen now that the wallabies or rugby australia has written to world rugby about overbearing officials i actually support that they're not targeting just the decision by reynald this weekend but they're taking on the officiating that we've seen in recent months which is a big worry to many teams because the inconsistencies there i mean we talk about it almost every week on this podcast yeah absolutely like I said, look, a good game for a referee is one where no one talks about him afterwards. Um, 
But you know what? Maybe every now and again we need a ref to remind us that there is a boss on the field, that he is the boss. He is there to control the game and he is there to make sure that the contest is fair. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, had he not done anything, there would have been all black supporters screaming at the TV saying, time-wasting, time-wasting, get the show on the road. We want an opportunity to compete for a win. And they didn't. But uh, the ref finally, finally sided with with the team that was screaming at the TV. And that's just the reality of it. Look, the sad the sad thing about it is the fact that the Bledisloe Cup this year was being played with two games, which which is unfortunate, really, because uh, it meant that the All Blacks retained that cup uh, yeah, just with actually, a single win. You yeah. and I actually had a, a WhatsApp exchange there where you asked, you know, is it did the All Blacks retain it now because it's two games? And I replied to you and I was like, no, the Bledisloe is three because that's traditionally what it has been. Then I went and checked and yeah, they won the Bledisloe in one game. This is a bit a bit ridiculous if it's a competition. It's not just like the Freedom Cup that we play for against New Zealand or whatever. It's it's their own. No, hang on. Hang on, hang on. It is like the Freedom Cup. It is like the Freedom Cup. It's it's the the equivalent of that. It's just the Freedom Cup's equivalent between Australia and New Zealand. So you know that's 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 it. The the All Blacks also won the the Freedom Cup this year for winning a single game. What should happen? What should realistically happen though is in an in a year where it's played in two matches, like in the rugby championship. Here, you should take points from yeah. the two games and points difference and tries for and you know you know the same way that you would determine the position on the rugby championship log that should be the winner because the reality is it's very very difficult to beat uh, New Zealand twice right back to back yeah. and you know that's why they've that's why they've kept it for 20 years because you can't just go over there nobody walks over into New Zealand and beats them twice it's 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 unheard of or it's it's very difficult to do that and and with the teams be, being a lot more equal these days the, the sort of top five teams in the world top eight teams in the world and anyone being able to beat anyone on the day you know it's going to be very difficult to beat them still two games in a row you know it's right there it should be about points to make it an even contest each year and then you know I just want to say i think bernard foley actually had a stellar game for the wallabies i think he's mm. their solution at 10 at the moment i think he deserves another another chance you know despite that last moment uh brain fart and i also thought pete Sami probably had the best game i've seen him have in a wallabies jersey so that was a lack of lack of one he had a huge influence on the match i can't disagree with you there both had a great game um and i do agree bernard foley had a great game right up until the end where he pushed the referee and then you know ronnie they they've got a rematch coming up this weekend now in new zealand uh what are you anticipating out of that game you know uh last week just so everybody knows i actually changed my mind on my super brew call and went for australia and i was going to walk away with the bonus points on on super brew had it not been for bloody bernard foley and his ridiculous antics <laughs> at the end there so i was very very upset with what happened there but anyways um i don't think a repeat is going to happen this year um, or this week. I don't think the Australians stand a chance now. No, hang on. They do stand a chance. I think their chance is just uh, a lot smaller than what it was last week. So this is going to go the way of the All Blacks and uh, they're going to be very strong about it. So what are you saying? All Blacks by? All Blacks by 14. I'm going to go 9. All Blacks by 9. All Blacks by 9. And then, you know, Tuesdays, it's a lacquer one. The Bok team gets announced. I'm very, very chuffed about this team. I, I I don't know. I, something just excites me about Franz staying at ten. I can't wait to see it. I'm really looking forward to that. As we always, yeah, no, no, no. We, we 
we're, we're both we're both big fans of Frog State, right? So, I mean, him playing at 10 is very exciting for us. But like I said earlier, last time he started at 10 was 2008. And he had long hair and he was in showroom condition and he could hoof a ball and he could drop a ball 65 meters. This is true. This is true. But I think we're in for something special. A player like that always seems to deliver in these moments. Let's take a look at the forwards then, Ronnie. Front row is the same. Steven Kitsoff, Malcolm Marks, Franz Malherber. Hopefully Franz can get a bit of a better scrum down this weekend. Yeah, look, so they've brought, obviously brought Bongi and Manambi in as well. Uh, so is he? Is, does that mean Malcolm Marks is going to get less game time, um, which I think is maybe not the worst thing, right? So he's had two very, very long games and uh, he could go sit on the bench if he really wants to. Uh, bring Bongi on with 30 minutes to go. Bongi's going to be fired up. You know, he's set to He's he's been sitting on the couch watching the games for a few weeks now. He's going to be ready to come out fighting. So yeah, otherwise happy with uh, old Kitchi and Malherba. And then we could literally copy paste every segment about the locks this entire year because the starting combination has barely altered. Eobin and Lurt back there. Happiness from my side. I think they both had good games at the weekend. Yeah, not much to say. Very happy. And then the loose trio, you know, Sias at six at captain, Jasper Vies at eight, and a return for Peter Steff to Toy at seven. So I disagree with putting Peter Steff to Toy back in the starting lineup. Now, this is just, you know, we're really taking fat chances here. I know the guys go through fitness tests to see if they're ready to play, but don't you think it would be better to play old Peter Steff off the bench? You see, I'm going to, this is the bias that you've had the whole season of this podcast. Peter Steff to Toy has not been injured. So where's Peter Steff to Toy been now? He's been rotated in the squad he's not been injured he's been with the box the entire time so why has he not been playing for rotation purposes they gave frank have, have we there. all have we all got lost into the wormhole of injuries and thought that this guy was in the mix yeah peter steftatoy has not been injured he's been with the box the entire time just given a bit of rest uh, i'm gonna have to fact check you on that one <laughs> you seem to think he's made of glass ronnie which makes me laugh quite often and then Jaden Hendricks at nine, Franz Stein at 10. I'm quite happy with Jaden. You know, he had a good performance this past weekend. He really has become the Bach incumbent and quite keen to see how he combines with Franz Stein this weekend. Yeah, look, Franz Stein, uh, it's going to be difficult for any of the nines really to, I think, combine with him quite well. Franz is, a, is an old dog and uh, he's got old tricks. And some of these nines are new dogs with their new tricks. And I don't know how well those two gel. So let's see. Yeah, you know, I might not even be be shying away from a call up from for Ruan Bina one of these days, you know. <laughs> but I, I'm very excited for that. I think France is France is an excellent player and I have full faith that he'll get us through this test. You know, wings, we've got Mapimpi there and Kanan Moody retained despite the return of Spoon Corsi and Kurtley Aronson to the Bok mix, something we already predicted last week, and I think he backed it up very, very well this weekend. Absolutely. I'm happy that Kane is getting another shot. Uh, you don't, it's one game, it's, you know, you got to back it up with the second game and you got to back your second up with the third one if you want to become an established uh, Springbok. I want to see what he can do. It's, let's see him step it up. We know we've got, we've got in Cheslin. We, uh, and, uh, but he's, Kanan's very exciting himself. Yeah, he definitely is. And then Vili LaRue retained at fullback. I think Vili has been a very good contributor contributor to the cause and i'm i'm more than happy to see police billy sitting there yeah look I'll, I'll go through ups and downs with respect to my my backing of billy some days i just love him to bits and some days i just honestly get hot palpitations every time he touches the ball but you know what i'm happy to see him there i trust him i trust him today and then in the centers, Damien Dialenda at 12. He had a pretty solid outing, you know, a bit one-dimensional, but he got through a good workload. And I was actually expecting Andre Esterhazen to be there. 
but Dialenda is getting the run with Jesse Creel at 13 again. I think we've said much about this already. Yeah, I'm not going to say much about Jesse, but you know what? Uh, I will, what I will say about Damien is it looks like he takes a step up, though, when he gets frustrated. Um, when he sees that the Oaks are not going moving forward, he seems to go into to somewhere inside himself and he just comes out fighting. And he becomes a little bit, uh, a little bit mongrel right after that. So it's good to see him get a couple of tries recently with how ferocious as some of its um, plays are. Yeah, this is true. And then looking over to the bench, you know, we've got Bongi who's made a return from injury. Oxen chairs there and then Vincent Koch returns as well. So that's a pretty solid front row to come off the bench. Happy with those and they could also be starting for, you know, that's that's the reality of it with Oxen Vince. True. And then Franco Mostert, Dwayne Vermeulen, Quacha Smith, basically three loose forwards slash lock on the bench. That takes us to a 6-2 split, right? Yep, something we haven't done in a couple of weeks and something that has haunted us in the past. And then Fafta Klerk and Kirtley Arons are the two backs that we have on the bench. So very interesting, right? So who who's cover for 10? Uh, so we would say Faf is, would be cover for 9 and 10. Um, and Kirtley Arons would be cover for 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Right, so I mean, if any of those players go down, uh, Franz Stein would have to move in somewhere. Fafta Kirk would move to ten. I mean, this could be this could be a problem. I don't even know what the word is. This could be a problem, right? Yeah, no, because there's you know one injury in the wrong place, you're going to have to reshuffle the whole back line, and that's something I'm definitely not in favor of, generally speaking. And then I also just want to mention, you know. Peter Steftatoy is now back in the starting team. Alric Lowe has been released to the Bulls to get some game time. Salman Murat, you know, a couple of movements in the squad. So I hope this is starting to show a bit of a sign of good player management. You know, keeping guys fit, letting them play a bit of URC now ahead of the November tour, the guys that didn't get much game time with the box this year, like Alric. And, you know, hopefully that's going to pay dividends a little bit later on. Because it's after this weekend, it's a month until we head off and, and kickstart the Northern Hemisphere tour in November. Yeah, look, um, I do agree. So maybe our, you know, we were paying for player management a couple of months ago, but they were doing it. It seems like it behind the behind the lines. And I mean, if you're correct about Peter Steff to Toy, then uh, I'm very happy with what Bach Management is doing. You know, they seem to be rotated correctly, and uh, it's very exciting. So on that note, Ronnie, what's your prediction for this one this weekend? Oh. Um, you know, we need this. I said it last week. We need the five points from the win. Uh, we got the five points. You know what? I'm going to say it again. We're going to get the five points again this week. Um, with all points difference, it's going to be a bit challenging. We need to win by, I think, that's 16 points or something along those lines. But considering uh, uh, New Zealand are going to beat, in my prediction, Australia by 14, I'm going to say we're going to beat the Pumas by 30 points. By 30 points. That's a big call. I'm going box. Well, by that's 19. to win the rugby. Well, if you said box by 19, and what did you say? Uh, All Blacks by 9, then uh, we lose the rugby championship. No, but the All Blacks won't get a bonus point, and we will. All right, so uh, we're going to get five <laughs> points from this game. <laughs> Australia are going to score enough tries to make sure that the All Blacks do not get five points, there and we uh, go. we're going to win the rugby championship. There we go. But uh, then my... let, me re- let, let me revise my call. We are going to beat uh, Argentina by 29 points. <laughs> Yeah, Ronald, that's a good one there. And then just quickly, you know, we're not covering the URC2 in depth at the moment, but the Bulls did get a season win or an opening season win over the Lions. Similani starting at 15. Jake White telling him he needs to get a little bit more versatile if he wants to, you know, beat the Kanye Amphra spot in the box or be in the box. 
frame, if you prefer. And a welcome return from injury for Sabu and Corsi, who's now also received the Springbok call-up. Yeah, absolutely. UFC is very exciting. Good to see the Bulls uh, with winning ways. Sad that uh, they had to do one, get one over another South African team. But you know what? Wins a win and a good start. And uh, very excited UFC is back. So I'm also very excited to get back into the UFC, right? So once the rugby championship is done, we'll focus on that a bit more. Yes, no, that's for sure. And then I think, Ronnie, you got your two cents Raven. Am I correct? Yeah, basically, I just said, don't push the refs now. No, we complain about refs a lot, and we but we also take chances as uh, as players. And I'm not talking about we because I haven't picked up, I haven't played a game of rugby in a very long time. But you know what? The reality is, uh, sometimes you push the ref, sometimes the ref's going to make that call. And 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 he said that was said to Nick White. He said, "You don't think I can give you a water scrum to the opposition, but I can." And he did. Don't waste my time. We're here to play rugby. Yeah, pardon my French. Diving into Saturday, this this one I had to give to my boyfriend, Stain. Like I said, the whole episode, I'm very, very excited. So I pulled up some interesting stats on, on good old France. 58% of his entire career has been at 12. He's done 89 starts in the 12 jersey. 10% of his career has come at 13. That's 12 starts. 21% of his career has been at fly half. 27 starts and 11% of his career has been at fullback 14 starts which actually surprised me because many of us consider Franz Stein primarily a fullback so that's quite an interesting one for me it was quite interesting to see and then as you've mentioned his last start at 10 was in June 2008 in a test against Italy he came in there you know he kicked a, a penalty some conversions and he scored a try in that game so hopefully we can we can see that repeated here's something that caught my attention even more so francis played 80 tests for the box now all right 51 full tests if you consider that he's played 4025 minutes of springbok rugby okay it should have been double that cuz he should have 150 test caps by now but he's only started 42 of those 80 caps so 52% of his tests have come off the bench for the box and then at club level this is now the complete inverse to what we have at the box he's played 21681 minutes of club rugby 297 games and he started 275 of them. That's a 92% start rate at club level compared to 52 at international. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. There we go. So, Ronnie, shot for joining me this week and shot to all our listeners. We're looking forward to a, a big game from the box this weekend. I'm off to Durban on Friday. Going to be keen to see it at Kings Park. Ronnie won't be joining me this weekend, but... I know he'll be there in spirit and he'll be feeding me the information that I don't get on the TV screen. So have a lucky week, everybody, and we'll catch up with you next week. Mm-hmm.